0: Father, we, uh, we do look forward to what you're gonna do today. Thank you, God, that, uh, Lord, as we open up your word, that it's not just stories about things that happened centuries or millenniums ago, but God, it's your word, your heart for us. Just as you used John to speak to that generation that first century church is there struggling and trying to figure things out and do life. I know that you're speaking to us. And Lord, no matter where we're coming from, no matter what's going on in our life, the the, the peaks and the valleys, Lord, the hurts and, and the rejoicing, God, I know that you have something for every one of us. So I do pray that we would open ourselves up for what you want to speak to us. And God, that you would be glorified in this time. And we just thank you so much that we can gather in your name and thank you for your word that you've given us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, John, we've been looking at, John spent a lot of time talking about some false doctrines that were going on, and we kind of have been developing that. Now he's going to shift a little bit, and he's going to talk to us about the things that can influence our lives if we're not careful, So John's not just concerned about having right doctrine, he also wants us to have right living. And so it's one thing to resist false teaching, but it's a whole nother thing to resist temptation and what's in our world. It's interesting because this time of year is kind of can be a very spiritual time and it can be a very materialistic time. And John's going to kind of address that and, and, and hit us at home. And so I think, listen, I think this is some of the uh, greatest, maybe three verses in the Bible for us to have victory in our walk with Jesus. So John talking to them isn't just talking to the first century. He's talking to the 21st century. So I want to read the three verses, then we're going to come back and, and, and kind of discuss them. He says, do not love the world That's some powerful stuff, right, as you think about it. So, listen, I think we got to kind of figure a couple things out. Number one, when he's talking about not loving the world, what exactly is he talking about? Because there's, you know, there's all kinds of opinions. Number one, I don't think he's talking about this planet or the universe. What God created it and said, what? It is good. So I don't think he's telling us about, about that nor do I think he's telling us, some people say, well, you know, he's telling us to stay away from people. And I know some of us are very happy to hear that, but I don't think that's what he's telling us because my Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So what exactly is it? Is it, is it things? And, and we'll talk about those in a moment. I believe, listen, I believe it's this simple. I think he's talking about the world system that ignores God, the worldview that keeps God out. We have to be careful. Now listen, a lot of us might understand that and we might say, I'm not part of that. You live in this world, it influences you. And here's a time where we just gotta be honest with God and we gotta evaluate our lives and evaluate what's going on. And he says, don't love that. Don't let that draw you away from your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen, listen. Would he write this if it's not a temptation? Think about it. If it's not something that might happen to us, why would God write it? But it is something. It's something we have to pay attention to. Something we have to think about. John Stott defined world like this, or what? What uh, John the apostle is talking about? He says that it's an evil system organized under the dominion of Satan and not of God and is not to be loved. So kinda of, kinda of keep that in mind. And then he says, listen, then when he says the things in the world, what is he talking about? Is he talking about trees and birds and those things? Again, God created those, although in Romans, Paul does say there's a danger of worshiping those things, of worshiping the creation rather than the Creator. And but listen, I think I think as he's talking about that, he's talking about again not just materialistic things, but an attitude, a heart attitude. Over the centuries, the church has tried to deal with this in some pretty bizarre ways. If you chud, stud if you chuddy, or study church history. So, listen, they've, they've tried things like there was a the whole monastic movement, right? Where, where men and women are going into monasteries and trying to isolate themselves and remove themselves. It's not the stuff that's the problem, it's the heart, it's us. And when we realize that, listen, you can get victory. So as he's saying this, listen, he's saying, you need to understand there is a draw on your heart. There is a draw on your attention to be drawn away from the Lord. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to write it. So we all kind of have that, that thing that we have to battle. And then, listen, then I think he explicitly talks about the things in this world and the world in verse 16. He says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. The lust of the flesh. I don't don't believe he's just talking about sexual desires or immoral sexuality, although that's part of it. The lust of the flesh is things that attract us, and I don't think he's just talking about, you know, quote, this flesh. I think he's talking about that sin nature that we have. And he says, you've gotta be careful. Here's, Here's things of the world. The lust of the flesh and things that we might be drawn to and something that kind of I think is kind of typical, but in some ways strange. Like when we think of something like that, some of us go immediately to sexual things or or whatever. And yeah, that's obvious what we shouldn't deal with or shouldn't be attracted to those. But how about how about if we get something? Hey, it's Christmas time. How about food? Can we be glutton gluttonous? Yeah, in America totally, right? In America it's almost every meal. It just is insane in our country what we're doing. And notice I'm saying we. <laughs> I love food. I you know, some people say they eat to live. I'd live to eat. I love food. I love different kinds of food. I love to experience different cultures and get involved with their food and see what they're doing to a degree. I should put that in there. I got offered blood and guts one time. Not, not like the best soup in the world. It was okay, but not the best. But listen, we can be, we can be gluttonous. And you know what? In God's eyes, that's just as bad as pornography and etc. We need to know that. I was bummed as I was studying this. Gaynell, I don't think was sure that I was uh, what, exactly what I was looking at. But yesterday, she, she came. I kind of was wrapping things up. And, uh, and she came and whispered in my ear. She goes, after Christmas, we're going on a diet. Oh, oh, don't say that. But listen then, so we have that, and then lust of the flesh can be other things. We can we can try and acquire things and get things. And you know, I, I think the important thing we need to understand, things in and of themselves are not bad. It's what we do with them and it's when things begin to possess us. So he says lust of the flesh, and then he says lust of the eyes, and, and that's a big one in our culture. Listen, as we're talking about this, it's our, I'm, I'm talking to people in America, right? And we have this thing called advertising and it's everywhere, everything you look at. And how does it, how do the advertisers work? Through our eyes. They get us to look at things and we're looking at something pretty soon. We're like mesmerized, like, I got to have that. I really need, listen, all of a sudden it's not, I want that. It's, I need that. And we kind of convince ourselves of that and we do that. Merry Christmas, by the way, but anyway, we kind of of get into those things, and, and we start doing that, and we start, and listen, man, it's all about the eyes, and once again, a lot of people read lust of the eyes, and all they think about, they hear the word lust of the eyes, and they think of pornography and et cetera. Yeah, that's part of it. But man, we we sin in so many other ways and we get involved in it in so many other ways that we need to understand. He's not just talking to a few or people caught up in certain things. He's talking to all of us. So listen, don't love these things. And then then the, the things of the world, the last thing he brings up is pride of life. Man, again, I'm looking at our culture our culture is all about lust of the flesh and the, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life we're all we're so success driven that it's insane in our culture it's like people so where do you work how much do you make hey in the church the church shouldn't have to deal with that in a church i go to conferences and one of the one of the first things people ask you is so how big is your church and i say it's like i think it's like we're up to 23,000 square feet. <laughs> like, it's like, come on, why do we do those things? I had one friend that used to say, oh, we have between one and 10,000 coming to our church. Between One person and 10,000. So he would answer that. And listen, again, it's the pride of life, right? When he talks about the pride of life, bottom line is talking about, I want to look good in the eyes of others. I want to be more important in the eyes of others. And that's, listen, that's something we deal with. So John is saying, you guys, be careful. Watch out. Don't just poo-hoo this and say, not me. Here's what we need to say. I need to check my life. I need to be careful here. I need to watch out. So what I wanna do is I wanna like develop this part and I wanna use a couple of examples. I'm gonna use one example of how to fail at this and how to quote be miserable and then I'm gonna use another example on how to have victory and how to win over these things. So go to Genesis chapter three. And we're going to spend a little bit of time there, and then we'll go to Luke. In Genesis chapter 3, I think most of us know this is dealing with Eve and the temptation. Now, before we get into Eve, I want to say something, because I think a lot of times, even for myself, I think Eve gets a bad rap. And we kind of act like she was like some Neanderthal knuckle dragon uh, cave person, you know, kind of, do you know that? Eve was perfect, do you know that? Do you know that Eve had never sinned? She had never spoken against God. She had a perfect life, she had a perfect life. I don't know how long, we don't know how long her and Adam were in the garden before this took place. But she, she had, listen, she had face to face with God. She hung out with him. So I don't want us to think we got some, you know, someone who just is, is like a, you know, completely ignorant and got pushed into this thing. Actually, I believe my personal opinion or Adam and Eve were the most brilliant people who ever lived because they were perfect. God created them. I like to say it this way too. Do you know that Adam named all the animals and he got them all right? Have you ever thought about that? It's kind of fun. So listen, you have this person who's perfect, who has a direct connection with God, who's fellowshipping with him every day. So now, look what happens. This is in verse one. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman... Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree in the garden? Oh, now we're kind of dealing with what? Lust of the flesh. Can't eat of these trees? Oh, you poor, poor person. Now, listen, we know he exaggerated, and, and we know what he did, but here's what he says. he says. He says, is that true? Is that what God said? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees in the garden. So I wish it stopped there. I wish this dialogue stopped right there. No, we can eat of the trees. That's what God gave us, the trees, told us to eat of the trees. But then she says this. But, in verse 3, of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Oh, just a little bit of a mistake. And here's what I want us to get a hold of. What happened with Eve? She misquoted God. She misquoted his word. He never said, don't touch it although that would be implied. Listen, I think, duh, right? If you don't touch it, you're never gonna eat it. That's how I try to do things that tempt me. I try and put up a barrier so I'm not close to them, but that's not what God said. And so one of the first things I think we need to learn is we need to accurately trust the word of God. And bottom line, here's what's going on. She doesn't really trust him. So she misquotes God And there's uh, just a hint of, I don't trust him anymore. Lust of the flesh. Again, hey, you, look at all of this. Come on. Just taste it and see that it's good. Now, some people say, and I always think this is weird, some people say that God, you know, got the most luscious, bestest, greatest fruit you can imagine. And we, we don't know what it was. It was fruit. And he used that to tempt them. And I always think when people tell me that, I think, you got a weird God. I don't think God, listen, don't make God evil. And yet from reading this, I also know it wasn't some like, like half rotten, half eaten, putrid kind of piece of fruit because it appealed to her. But now she has lust of the flesh. Now he's drawn her in and she says, no, we just can't even touch that tree And so then now, listen with the serpent, more doubt. Now he really starts pouring in the doubt. Verse four says, then the serpent said to the woman, you're not gonna die. For God knows the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the woman saw that the tree was good for food. Oh, now we have lust of the eyes, right? Now she's looking at it, and she's starting to focus on it. Here's what I, I know in my life. If there's something that's going to trip me up spiritually, may not trip you up, and I think this is important as we're working through this, things that trip me up may not trip you up. And I always get uptight when people, when God convicts somebody of something, and then they put that conviction on everybody. You shouldn't be doing this. Well, no, that's your issue. And so, hey, when I have issues, here's what I try and do. I try and stay away from those things. I try and stay far away. I try and put, like, miles between us if I can. I don't want to get close. But some people come to me, and here's what they say. They don't say this exactly, but here's what they're saying. How close can I get to that without sinning? I think, there was, a guy, there was a guy named Lot. Yeah, you should study Lot, right? What did Lot happen? He looked at the valley and saw that it was good. But what was in that valley? This place called Sodom. And not only does he get in the valley, then pretty soon Lot's hanging out at the gate and, or, or at the, in the city, and then pretty soon he's sitting at the gate as an authority and part of that. And then here's what cracks me up. When God removes Lot, right, and, and he has to drag him out of there. Have you ever read that part? That's how much God loves us. He drags us out, and he's dragging Lot out, and we don't even want to talk about Lot's wife, right? She wasn't, but he's dragging Lot out, and as they're going out, God is trying to get him far away from there, and what's the first thing Lot says? Here's what he says. God, can I sin just a little bit? Now again, he doesn't say that, but what does he say? Can I just stay right here? Just, is this far enough away? Think about that. So Eve's close. She's looking at it with her eyes. Oh, and also now she's also tempted with the pride of life because what did he say? If you eat of it, you'll become like God. Woo! I think she's saying, yeah, right? So those are the temptations. And and listen, man, now it says she saw that it was good and and a woman saw that the tree was good in verse 6. And... She, it was, it was uh, a tree desirable to make one wise, so she took the fruit and she ate. Every time I read that, it seems, like so, it seems like so fast, and yet do you understand it was a process? She made bad choices along the way. It wasn't just instantly. It was, why are you having, number one, why are you talking to a snake, Right? Now, I don't know, I've always wondered, because it's not real clear, maybe all the animals talked, because it said the serpent was more cunning, so I don't know if they, like, talked to all the animals. I don't know, because I personally, if a snake started talking to me, I'd beat feet out of there, right? If a snake said, hey, Pat, why don't you try this? I'd go, something's going on here. I may not be the sharpest person in the world, but I know something's happening, right? So anyway, she has a conversation and she hangs out there, then she's drawn in. So lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life, and now she ate. Now, real quick, Adam, we'll look at the end of that verse, the end of verse uh, six. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. Every time I read that, I think, "What a doof!" <laughs> like, don't pick on Eve; pick on Adam, because he just went, "Okay," just a typical guy, right? <laughs> uh-huh. And he like Eve, something. What are you doing, man? Why are you doing that? So, that's our great, 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 great grandparents, and we inherited a sin nature from them. Because they did this. Now, again, once again, got to realize who they were. Don't get too upset with them. So that's how to fell. And I, I don't want I don't want you to read this and underline stuff so you can fell often as you walk with the Lord. Let's see how to be successful in resisting this temptation. Go to Luke chapter four. And now we're going to look at Jesus. Now I know some people will tell me this. Well. Be, we can't use Jesus, because he's God, and that's not fair, because I'm not God. Jesus was fully human, don't ever forget that. In his walk, and his relationship here, every temptation was just as real to him, I think actually more real to him than those temptations are to us. So Luke chapter four, as we think about Luke chapter four, here's what, he's, here's what, here's what goes on. It says, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate nothing afterward. And when they had ended, he was hungry. So a couple things to take note of. Number one, who led Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. Hmm, you know, sometimes God leads us into situations that should strengthen us, but we allow them to weaken us. We need to understand that. Sometimes I, I hear people, you know, I can't believe the devil did this. And I think, are you so sure it was the devil? You're not so sure it was the Lord, like building strength? So the Holy Spirit led him into the wilderness. He was there for 40 days. He was fasting. He was being tempted. And then it says he was hungry. Every time I read this, I think, I'm a guy. And I think, man, he had to be like starving, right? (laughs) Because listen, guys, what do we do? Guys, what do we do? We don't eat for four hours. And we go to our wife and go, what's for dinner? I'm starving to death. When was the last time you ate? Noon. It's like I need food now. So 40 days, he's way hungry, right? He's super hungry. And you think about that. So think about this. When did the devil tempt him? When he was the most vulnerable. Think about that in your life, when you're the most vulnerable, expect the unexpected. Expect something to happen. So the de- so listen, he's there and the devil came to him verse 3, and the devil said to him, "If you are the son of God, command this stone to become bread." Oh man, I think if I hadn't eaten for 40 days, I would just eat the stone. I don't need to turn it to bread. I just need something in my gut, right? So, and then here's the thing. Could Jesus turn that stone into bread? Absolutely. Or it wouldn't be a temptation. Remember that when you read these things. If he couldn't do it, it wouldn't be a temptation. And uh, and the whole time, the devil knew Jesus could do it. Jesus knew Jesus could do it. I could turn that. Jesus could toast the devil, like roast him, and use the coals to toast the bread that he made out of the stone, right? He could have done that. That's what some of us would do. It's like, I'll teach you to tempt me. So he says, hey, if you're gonna do that, so what is that? Lust of the flesh, right? We're back to that, lust of the flesh. And he's tempting him with his flesh, and so what does Jesus do? Jesus does, listen, verse four, but Jesus answered him saying, it is written, it is written, it is written. You might wanna underline that, right? Jesus says it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. You might read this this way. Jesus said it is written, I shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Jesus is gonna be tempted two more times, and he's gonna quote scripture two more times. Do you know what book he's quoting out of? This is my favorite part of this. Do you know what book Jesus is quoting out of? The one we all love and read dearly. He's quoting out of Deuteronomy. Some of you are going, I didn't even know there was a Deuteronomy. A Deuter what? There's a Deuter what? He's quoting Deuteronomy. That's a book. Listen, I think if there's two ignored books in the Bible, I think it would be Numbers and Deuteronomy. And they have some powerful stuff in them. You need to know every time Jesus quotes Deuteronomy, you know what that tells me? I need to be in the book of Deuteronomy. And I need to understand it, and I need to apply it to my life. It's not just old stuff, it's current. I need to know this. So what does Jesus say? He says, man does not live by bread. Don't forget this part alone. He's not saying we shouldn't eat. He's saying, listen, that's not all we need. What we need more than bread is the word of God. And we need the word of God in our hearts. So hence why we always promote here, read through the word of God. Get involved with the word of God. If you get our Bible reading schedule, guess what, and you follow it, you're going to read the book of Deuteronomy, whether you like it or not, right? You're going to go through it. So listen, first he says that Jesus has some victory, right? So he wins that one, and then the devil said to him, the devil in verse 5, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. So here now he did what? He showed them to him, lust of the eyes. This one is lust of the eyes and I think also pride of life, but mostly lust of the eyes. Look at all of this. And in a moment, I kind of get this idea that, man, the kingdoms are just flying by them, right? Just flashing by kind of, they, they didn't need a big screen because they could just do 3D stuff right in front of them, right? And he's going, whoa. And Jesus is looking at all that. And then he, listen, he shows them all the kingdoms in a moment of time. And verse six, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all of this will be yours. Just worship me. Wow. Do you know that Jesus is king of kings and Lord of lords? And here's the temptation You don't need to go to the cross to rule all these kingdoms. I'll give them to you right now. That's pretty intense, isn't it? Again, lust of the eyes and pride of life. Why would you humiliate yourself and go to the cross? You don't have to do that. I can give you the kingdoms right now. Oh, and some people go, "Did, did the devil really have that authority? Yeah, man gave the devil the kingdoms when we submitted to him Back with Adam and Eve, the Bible calls him the Prince of this world. So he's saying you can have you can have it all. Why would you go to the cross? Just worship me, and Jesus did right. Verse eight. Jesus said to him, "Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, I shall not I shall worship the Lord my God and Him only and." and him only shall I serve. So listen, same thing, right? He's saying, and he's quoting Deuteronomy again, and he's going, no way, man, that's not gonna happen. So are you picking up how we can have victory over the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life? We gotta get the word of God in us. And so the devil, one more time, listen, man, you talk about someone who doesn't give up. Have you noticed in your life he hasn't given up? Like, I think the devil, listen, I think the devil doesn't want us to get saved. I know he doesn't. And then we get saved, and some of us think, oh, once I saved, he leaves us alone. That's not true. And then, man, he comes at you, and he's like, boom, boom, you know, and you're going, come on, I need a break. We'll get a break when we get to heaven. (laughs) You know, and we need to understand that. And so, right away, listen, and oh, by the way, Jesus is still really hungry, I just thought I'd throw that out there. And this is like, man, I'm thinking, here's what I'm thinking. Let's just stop this, get a bite to eat, and we'll come back and we'll discuss some more, right? So then then Satan comes to him in verse nine. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him up on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, if you are... The Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written: "He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest your foot should, uh, lest, you, lest you dash your foot against the stone." Oh. I think that's the pride of life. And I think this part has crept into the church big time. Here's the thing. What is he saying? Go for it. You'll be safe. God will take care of you. How about this? God wants you to be healthy and wealthy. Hmm. Jesus did not die to make us healthy. Jesus died for our sins and to take our sins away. I think ultimately we'll get the ultimate health but I think so often we misapply this and we're listen that's the pride of life thinking that God owes me a certain lifestyle or a certain conditions. You know what God owes you? He owes you his wrath. His eternal wrath. That's all he owes you. This thing salvation is by grace. And it's because Jesus Christ died on the cross for us. And we need to get that understanding. So here he's telling Jesus, just jump off here. They'll catch you. Hmm. I read that and I kind of think, man, we're we're tempted that way in so many ways. We can just do this. God loves you. God will take care of you. Listen, I know God loves me. Why? Because he went to the cross for me. What else does he have to do to prove that? So listen, he says, do that. And again, pride of life. This is what I deserve. Have you ever, have you ever uttered those words to God? Why me, Lord? That's the times I wish God would get audible and in my own heart when I do that. Hey, I whine. There's times, there's times I'm going, I can't believe this is happening to me. And I kind of hear this voice, Not why not you? Why shouldn't I do that? Who are you? If you only knew, God. If you only knew how important I am. Isn't that what we're saying? Think about it. And what is that called? The pride of life. And so what does Jesus do? He quotes Deuteronomy one more time. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord my God, or I shall not tempt the Lord my God. Once again, quoting out of that book that we all love. And then it says this. It says, Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Do you know when that opportune time came? You familiar with your Bible? It's a few years later. It's about three years later. Jesus is in Jerusalem. And Jesus knows his hour had come. And where does he go? To the Garden of Gethsemane. Remember what happens there? It says he was sweating like drops of blood. Just to put it in our terms, Jesus was in freak mode. And what did he say? Father, if there's any other way, and here's the devil screaming at him, there is another way. You have to go to the cross. You don't have to do the cross. If there's any other way, let this cup depart from me. And then I love the last part of that. But not my will, but your will be done. Yes, yes. So, how do we have victory over these temptations? I hate to oversimplify it, but I think it's as simple. Get in the word of God and understand. And greater than that, trust God. Trust him in those situations. Even when it's ugly, even when it's nasty, even when it hurts, even when you can't, even when you can't figure it out and you can't process it, you gotta trust God. Because if you don't trust God, you're gonna become part of the world system and it's gonna chew you up and spit you out. Last time I checked, all the things in the world. Well, let's read that. Go, to, go, go back to John. Go back to verse 17. You might underline this part. It says in verse 17, and the world is passing away in the lust of it. Oh, do you know everything is fading away? Do you know everything is rusting and rotting and going away? Do you know that? Some of you are going, not my stuff. I take good care of it. It's all passing away. All this stuff is temporal. We need to get that in our hearts and understand that. Because here's the thing, I don't think it's bad to have, you know, there's some people who will teach it's horrible to have things. You should, you know, you should live in poverty and live this way and yada yada yada. I have some friends that kind of kind of are into that. And I can't believe, you know, you'd spend money on this and do this. Listen, it's not bad to have things. It's bad when things have you. And we need to be careful. And we need to understand, once you understand all of your stuff is rotting and going away, it's easier to keep a light hand on them, right? It's like, I remember one time I was teaching about this, and I said, hey, it's all going to burn anyway. And then I get in a guy's car. He kind of had a new car. And I get in his car, and we go someplace, and I open the door. And I hit a pipe. And I looked, and I went, oh. Now, I didn't do it intentionally, but I did look at him and say, bro, it's going to burn anyway. <laughs> and he goes, I'm going to kill you right now, right now. So listen, it, I'm not saying we should go around and destroy things. But do you understand Do you understand this world's fading away? It's dying. It's decaying. I don't care how environmentally sound you are, you're not going to save it. This Listen, global warming, I always tell, when people talk to me about global warming, I go, you might wanna read Revelation because it's gonna get real hot real fast. <laughs> now, having said that, I wanna be careful. I don't think we should trash this place. Why? Because God gave it to us and told us to take care of it. Shouldn't we take good care of it? Shouldn't we be people who are responsible to take care of it? So I'm going to do my part to take care of it. But here's what I know. I'm not going to save it. I'm not going to save the planet. I'm not going to save the wells. I'm not going to save myself. So it's fading away. So here's what he says. He says... Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For the things of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So, verse 17, and the world is passing away in the lust of it. Now listen to this. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Yes, there it is. And that's what we need to understand. We have been given, as believers, eternal life. And we do the will of God. Why? Because that's where everything's at. Doesn't, doesn't Jesus say something about seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and get involved in that? Or how about, how about Paul? Didn't Paul write something kind of good in, I'm looking for it here, in Romans chapter Chapter 12, verse two. Most of us know Romans chapter 12. We memorize one and two, right? And chapter two says, to us do not be conformed to this world Oh, there's that word again. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will know what is the good and pleasing will of God. How do I know the will of God? I separate myself, not physically, but spiritually from the world, and I set my mind on the things of God, and I get that understanding, and you know what? Then all these things that I have, ah, oh, they're fun, and they're okay, but they're nothing like a relationship with Jesus. And that's what he's talking about. So just as we're tempted, and especially I think of Christmas time, right? This is a material time. How many of you got your tree loaded under it with tons of stuff? Don't raise your hands. We're all about that. And it's okay. Listen, I'm not saying that's wrong. Just make sure that stuff doesn't get you and take control of you. And let's spend some time loving Jesus how good it is, listen, how good it is when he says that if you love the world, the love of the Father's not in you. Now, I like to reverse that. If I'm not loving the world, the love of the Father's in me. And I have that abiding relationship, and I can walk with him and enjoy him and love him. So, saints, if you're caught up in the materialistic part right now, it's a good time to repent. And here's the thing, just be honest with God. God. I always tell people, don't try and cover it up and make it seem okay and kind of do this. Just be honest with God. God, man, I am so caught up in that right now, and I want you to fix my heart. The issue is not the things. The issue is the heart, and we need our hearts fixed. Let's stand up and pray. Father, I... I thank you for your word and the challenge that we have. And Lord, I know that I know that all of us, if we're, if we're gut-check on us, we struggle walking in this world. And Lord, some of us have victory in one area but not victory in another area. Some of us, and it just goes around, and God, I just pray, I pray we would be people who draw close to you have that intimate fellowship with you and fellowship with one another so that we're made strong and so that when the devil does come, we can recognize that and take a stand against that. It doesn't catch us by surprise or blindside us, but we can see that's a ploy of the enemy of my soul. So God, again, work in our hearts and change us and I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments. And if you are here today and you've never asked Jesus to forgive your sins, you've never asked him to come in to, to your life, to come in and, and guide and direct you, if you've not done that, man, today is a day of salvation. Right now is the time to do that. All you have to do is be honest. Be honest. You gotta be honest, you gotta let God know that you know you're a sinner. It's not information for him. It's something you have to do. It's called humbling yourself and being honest before God. Let him know that you know you're a sinner. And then the main thing is, man, you gotta be sorry for that sin. You gotta understand, you have, you have offended a holy and righteous God. And you need to be concerned about that. The Bible says what you've earned from that is we've looked at is is eternal wrath. That's bad news. The good news is Jesus Christ came and took the wrath that you deserve. And now for you, he holds out this, this receipt that says, hey, man, your debt is paid in full. I took care of it. I took all of your wrath upon me. Now you're free. And today, all you have to do is say, Jesus Thank you. Thank you for dying for me. So I'm gonna lead you in a prayer. You can say this prayer out loud. You can say it silently. But it's gotta come from your heart. It's gotta be sincere. If you're backslidden today, man, come forward. I like to say it this way. You need to front slide. Come back to Jesus. Let him know that you wanna come home. His arms are open wide for you. If you're watching online and this message touched your heart and you know that you need Salvation, call on the name of the Lord. Say this prayer with us. You don't have to be in this building. Jesus, today I confess to you that I am a sinner. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And right now I'm asking you to forgive me. Jesus, Thank you for dying for my sin. Thank you today for your forgiveness. And now I want you to come into my heart and I want you to change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Jesus, I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior.